Welcome everyone to the gaming couch. Be it video games, card games, or board games, we'll have a good time playing. So come and join me on the couch. This is your host, Smart Boy. Hello. <clears throat> God damn it. You see, I thought I was feeling better, but I guess I wasn't because I just almost blech, all over the mic when I start the episode. Fantastic. Anyway, you know, it, it's been weird. The week was cold and it felt like winter, but on the weekend, it's beautiful, gorgeous spring. So you know what? I enjoyed today. I was in Central Park for a bunch of hours. Oh, God, I don't know. Good four, five, four, four to five hours. And it felt good. Got home. I'm tired now. But, uh, hell, let's just do a recording. So I hope everyone's enjoying spring for what it's worth, like with the weather and everything. And I thought about today, I kind of bounced some ideas around in my head, and I decided to settle on a special case for this week. And that is education in games. All right. Two things I want to say is first, I mean, I, I, like I said, I bumped some ideas around in my head about what I want to talk about. I don't want to go through about why exactly this. That's going to be more coverage to the details of the episodes. I don't want to muck up with all that information. And the second import, the second thing, which is really important, I'm not seeing education in games in terms of the education games. You know, the games designed like Bookworm Adventures and stuff like that that really focus in on teaching adolescents important things, counting numbers, other things like that. And even some like old, you know, games that are designed for older, like teenagers and stuff like that. There are games that have that education value put into them, which isn't a bad thing, but that's not my focus because that's very obvious, I want to say. I feel like those games are completely designed to teach you something like that's the entire point of them. I'm looking at just the problem-solving, critical thinking aspect of games. Like, every game can teach you something. And I believe it's, you know, it's an argument you can make, that you can learn stuff from video games. No matter the video game, you can learn something from it. You know, you could play a game like Halo, Gears of War, whatever, that first-person shooter, but work on communication skills and teamwork. If you're playing online multiplayer as a team deathmatch or whatever, you're going to need to be able to work with a team. And heck, of all, for what it's worth, worked on that. The team of four hunters had to be coordinated. That was like, of all, was one of the first games that made me break out my microphone and talk to other people online. And when I started doing that, I got much better because I was learning to work as a team with these other people online. So that's what I want to look at. Games that teach you something, something unique, and not so much in a roundabout way, but not in an in-your-face way, like in a very just well-made, not incredibly subtle way, and do it, like I said, incredibly well. And I'm bringing this up also because it, be, it gives me an excuse to talk about Fury again. I started getting to a Fury hype again. I was watching a Super Beard Bros playthrough of it because they discovered it recently so they were doing a let's play of it and i was so excited to see that because i love watching other people play games especially games that i've beaten i love seeing how people go through and handle it and see if they react the same way i did or if they react differently you know yada 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 and also you know, my high school the kids started playing fury and they started getting back into it so i'm like you know let's talk about fury real quick and a really big important lesson that comes out of it of that perseverance you know i I look at high schoolers nowadays. I teach high school. I teach computer science. All right. I work with high schoolers all the time. And I see this level of perseverance is now lacking. 
And that goes back to the whole critical thinking, the problem-solving process, all that kind of stuff is lacking more in youth. Like when they are handed a problem that they don't fully understand. And it's not, it doesn't have to be necessarily a hard problem. It's just they're given a problem that they, they're not sure how to solve right away. Like either they haven't learned it yet, they're struggling with the concept, whatever. They're faced with a problem that they don't understand as well. And a majority of the kids shut down. They don't bother trying. They complain. They give up. Like They do everything but try something to try and solve it. And I think a big reason is the setting, the school setting. You're, you're handed a problem saying you have to do this so you can get graded and get judged, and yada, 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 yada. It, it's needed. Like, it's definitely needed. Like, kids need to learn how to solve problems and to be judged accordingly. Like, when you have a job, you're going to have a boss that looks over things. Like, you're going to have not necessarily a grade for all professions, but you have a boss that wants to make sure that things are getting done right. And they're going to look at your work and tell you what you need to work on. You're going to have deadlines and all this stuff. Yeah, da, 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 da. So it's important that the kids learn how to do that with a classroom setting. But it's also important that they just learn that idea of perseverance, that way of just solving things and trying again and again and again until you figure it out. Because every kid has a certain skill set. They have a certain level when it comes to various things of content. I'm not just talking like Common Core stuff, just straight up algebra, science, things like that. I'm talking just in general. And Fury went about this in a very well-made way. And I always think about The Edge. I'm comfortable in saying that I believe The Edge is the absolute fan favorite. Like, whenever I'm looking at anything, whether it's Steam form or internet stuff, whatever, people talk about Fury, someone mentions The Edge. If there's a thing like, you know, your favorite Fury quote or your favorite Fury character, The Edge is brought up a lot. So I think he's necessarily a fan favorite, like number one top favorite. And there's a lot of reasons why. This is a guy that shows up near the very end of the game. And... Acts, I feel, as a stopping point for many people. Because at that point, you have now killed seven guardians. Seven jailers in you know notched in your belts. You know what you're doing. You know how to use that pistol. You know how to dodge. You know how to move around the arena. Everything. You know how to bounce back. You know, the hand gets a couple hits on you, but you know how to get back and get even with the hand and move on to the next round and not lose it. You have learned all this stuff because Fury, I mentioned this a long time ago when I first talked about the game, there is no leveling up. It is the very first boss, the chain. They do a tutorial bit in this, like if you play through story, they give you a tutorial bit to teach you all your moves and that's it. From that point, that is your skill set. It is here are your tools and this is your skill set. Work with it and you learn how to use that to your advantage. Some people are really good at parrying than others, but other people are better at dodging. Me, I can comfortably say I'm a lot more comfortable being in melee. That's partially why I like the edge. I'm a lot more comfortable being in melee and parrying things than being at range or trying to dodge enemy attacks. Other people, I've seen that they will dodge attacks instead of even parrying. They just, they're better with dodging. They're more comfortable with that timing, which is great. It, using a very small skill set, you're learning how to make things work for you and improvising because each boss makes things different. And then in comes the edge. A man who is your equal, 
with no ranged combat. So at this point, you better be comfortable in CQC because that's all it is. It's just sword on sword, whether you parry or you dodge. That is it. And from there, it's just immaculate. It's amazing how well made this boss is. Like I said, other bosses, you get hit a few times, you bounce back, you keep going. This guy, you get hit a few times, you're dead. Like, I know I've, I've cleared him in two minutes and four seconds. He can down you in 10 seconds. Like, one combo in any phase, and you're dead. He is that powerful, and you're that powerful against him. So at that point, you're now learning that everything you've been taught is not wrong, but is only the beginning. That is like, using the analogy of school, you go through a week of activities in a classroom setting, learning various things, and then there's that assessment at the end, the test you take, the quiz, the whatever you want to call it, where the teacher sees... How much do you remember and do you understand the content given? That's essentially what the edge is, that test. It's do you know how Fury works? Because at this point, there is no slip-up. You have to bring your all to this fight, and then some. You know, when I was watching the Super Beard Bros play through Fury, I was so excited when they got to the edge. A lot of—I was reading the comments, a lot of people in the comments were mentioning— we can't, like, everyone's saying, we can't wait for the edge. We can't, like, everyone's mentioning, like, just wait for the end, guys. Because the, the, the guys were enjoying the game. They were enjoying playing through Fury and talking about, like, oh, these are great fights, yada, yada, yada. And everyone's like, just wait, just wait. And then they hit the edge. And the guy playing it, Brett, freaks out. Like, he is in love with the fight. I, I felt like pretty much everything Brett was saying was what I was thinking when I was playing against the edge. It's, oh, my God, I love this man. This is an amazing fight. The quotes he was saying was just amazing and th- so thought-provoking and da because at that point, you're now like, holy shit, I am still essentially a novice at this game. Because now I'm learning even more. Like, Again, Brett puts it very well. The Edge is trying to teach you something. And in the end, he learned he is faster than you think. And honestly, playing through the Edge myself again a couple of times, because I, I wanted to beat the Edge without getting hit once. I did it on Fury mode. I'm still trying to do it on Fury mode to do a no hit against Edge. You are faster than you think. Because of how quick the edge is, you have to learn the delay between a parry and a dodge or a parry and a slash. It's a lot less than you originally think because every other boss, even the burst, who you fight just before the edge, when compared to him, are rather slow. And you're you're using more of the patience of just waiting for a break in the combo to hit the boss. But the edge... Because it is speed versus speed, and you you actually react, you start to react faster. It's more just waiting for him to attack because you can't attack the edge. The edge will dodge every single attack you throw at him unless you wait for him to attack you. So you start to learn that patience, and then having that hair split reaction, whether it's a dodge or a parry, to perfectly get in a hit in and then wait again. Because if you try and do anything more than one attack in his first three phases, they're not going to connect. His last phase, he's, his guard is down. He can land like a three-hit combo against him after certain moves. So that's just talking about the edge in general. Just him teaching you this skill that you have, everything you've learned. You know what? You're not good yet. Like You can do better. It's not that you're not good yet. I, I take that back. It's that you can do better. The edge teaches you you're good but I want you to be better. And after you beat him, I feel personally, after you beat him, you go back to every other boss with the exception of the star because the star is a really weird situation that 
did not sit well with me because it's just gunplay. And after like fighting the edge and everything and having all that sword play under your belt, it's just guns. Anyway, you go back and fight any other boss besides the star, and they just they feel so much easier because you feel like you can react better because you've learned more about your natural speed. You've learned more of how to perfectly counter combos and everything thanks to the edge. And I'm not saying that's a global thing for everyone. Like I'm sure there's people that learned how to do great counters against combos before, but for me, it wasn't until I fought the edge that I really learned how to take the game slower in terms of going faster. And that sounds like a contradiction, but slower as in knowing when my time is right and not rushing, learning that patience to say, wait for my right time. And I've brought that into other games too. There's plenty of other games I started playing with that mindset. Hell, just enter the gun and I started playing that again because it was an update that got released for it, their final update. And I'm noticing that. I'm noticing that I'm going slower throughout the game. Like I got to bullet hell, and it's been a long time since I've been to bullet hell, and I was not rushing through each room. I was taking cover, and I was actually assessing the situation real quick and knowing, okay, this is all the enemies we have in the room based on the patterns I'm seeing, and then taking my pot shots here and there, like taking one enemy at a time, knowing that rushing was just going to hurt me. And in the end, it did. There were some rooms that I rushed, and then I did get hit. I was thinking back to those skills that I've learned elsewhere. And then not only that, just Fury in general teaches that overall perseverance, and they teach it well in terms of if you beat a boss, you go to the next boss. If you're doing story mode, there's that cutscene to kind of give you that breathing room and tell you that story that I think is very well made, which is great. But if you fail, there's no delay. The only delay is going from one boss to the next in terms of story mode. Anything else, there is no delay. You lose to a boss... The second you hit that restart button, you're back in. You're back in at the start of the fight. And it happened to me when I fought the edge. Excuse me. It happened to me when I fought the hand. I wasn't able to take him down right away. Like, I actually had to take a breather. I wasn't doing too well. So, you know, I had, I, went, I had to go to bed or whatever. Something happened that I had to take a breather from the game. It just waited. As soon as I started the game back up again and I hit continue, it dumped me right back into the fight. No delay. The reason why I love that, it's not so much just because it's great to get back into the action. Like, there are some games I like storytelling, I like exploration, stuff like that. But in terms of Fury, I think they did very well with getting back into the action. But it's not only that it's getting back into the action, but it's allowing you to just practice those skills. It's allowing you to take on a problem again and again and again until you do it well. And again, this goes back to that whole thing I mentioned, like, problem solving. Nothing else matters. When you're fighting a boss in Fury, nothing else matters besides the boss themselves. We can argue that in terms of story, there are other things going on. But if I'm talking just pure mechanics and pure player skill, nothing in the world matters besides you versus that one individual. And if you lose, it's you versus that one individual once again. It's not like an RPG game where if you die on the boss, you then have to get back to the boss. You know, you have to go through a room of trash mobs or whatever to get back to the boss and try again, which is such a hindrance on so many games where if you lose to the boss, you now have to go through a bunch of other junk to get back to the boss and try again. It it hinders the process because now you're just worried about getting back there or going through this mess. Like There's just more stuff going on that you don't feel like dealing with if you lose to the boss. There's that, that extra pressure of like, if I fuck this up, I gotta go take care of all this other junk first so I can get back here. It hinders... It hinders that knowledge. It hinders that learning experience because, sorry, because of other things going on. 
sometimes it's okay. And this is only it's only okay in terms of like I said, RPGs where there's that grind. Okay, I didn't beat the boss yet. Let me let me go grind a little bit, gain some levels, get some gear, whatever, and then get back in. But again, because Fury doesn't have any sort of leveling or progression or anything like that besides the story, it's great that you just jump into it. And also, since there is no progression, like I said before, it gets straight to that player's skill. Like I remember playing through Dragon Age Origins Nightmare Mode. Okay, on the Nightmare difficulty, the game is pretty damn hard. But I found an easier way to play it. One, I knew the game pretty well because I did a lot of playthroughs of it. I played through each different class and race. So I knew the game, not like the back of my hand, but well enough that I knew what it is I wanted to get and how to get it, where to get it, when to get it, da-da-da-da-da. So when I played through a nightmare, I obviously had the skill behind me. But it wasn't just the skill that really got me through. It's the fact that I played a warrior tank. I feel if you're playing through nightmare mode on Dragon Age Origins... Warrior tank is the best way to play because then you, as the player, control the battlefield physically. I know you can switch between the different party members and control them individually, but then that leaves the the other three that you don't control to the AI, and you can obviously set, you know, battle tactics to give the AI at least some direction of what to do. But in terms of controlling the field, AI just doesn't do it well enough because I tried playing through nightmare mode again, but not as a warrior tank, more as a dual-wielding DPS fighter. The game was a lot harder because leaving it to the AI to tank just wasn't working. It didn't have that know-how of the battlefield to control it well, not only through the abilities it had, but just knowing, like, who to poke when. Like, I could set the battle tactics, yes, but it only does so much for the AI. It doesn't have that critical thinking, that problem that an actual human player would have to control things. So playing through Dragon Age Origins as a tank, the game's a lot easier, even on Nightmare Mode. For Fury, there is no easy way out. It's your skill or nothing. And I love that it then teaches you as a player to get better. And it's not the whole get good attitude. I don't like that phrase. But it's essentially that's what it is. It's you are learning to do better. And if you want to do better, you will get there. And it's it teaches you that time and time again. It's you want to get past this boss? Well, go again. Here, just Here's the battle. Try again if you get a game over. And even if you lose one life, every time you beat a a phase of a boss and they move on to the next phase, you get a life back. And that's such a great reward system. It's like, you know what? You learned. You know, you went down once during that phase, but you learned what to do. You know what? Have your life back. And I love that reward system because it goes back. It's that positive reinforcement of, yes, you're doing better. Not only progressing through the game – you get a little extra reward of, like, here's an extra cushion. And I think that's a great thing. It's a great incentive to keep going. It's like, okay, I know if I can get through this phase, I can win it back my losses. And then I can continue and figure out the next phase. It allows you to figure these bosses out on your first try, which feels good. And if you don't, you know what? Fuck it. Just go again. I don't have to wait for anything. There's no load screen. There's no other fighters. Just go again. We need more of that. And it's not just for video games. Just in general, like, I feel we're losing a lot of that. As human beings, not just the next, not just the, the latest generation, but just human beings in general with how everything's been going with, yeah, this is going to sound cheesy, but like technology and the way we interact with one another, people are losing that ability to work through a problem and figure out, hey, if I want this to go a certain way, there are things I'm going to need to work through. I think we're losing that. So Fury is just a great way of reteaching that. And... When I see some of my high schools play through Fury again, 
it, it, they're a completely different person. Like I see kids that are off the wall, not off the walls in a bad way, but very energetic. Let's put it that way. They're very energetic. And I can think of this one kid who got so determined to get to the game. He's very energetic, but the second he takes that control and he sits down, dead silence. He was 100% focused on what's going on. And if something goes wrong and he falls, he's like, you know what? I got to go again. And when he first started playing Fury, it was like every day he talked to me like, yo, are we playing Fury this, you know, this week at Gaming Club? Like, I need to get this fight. I need to do this. Like, that determination, like that, pers- that perseverance I was talking about was showing and I loved it. And then other students started to try it too. They kind of saw what was going on. They're like, let me try that. You know, it's like a very complex math problem. They, they're seeing people succeed at this problem, and they're like, I want to get there too. That looks great. But the, because it's a game, they see it more as fun than as a challenge to overcome. It's not a math problem. Like, I know I see kids, they see a kid, another student doing well in a math problem. They're like, oh, can you just do this for me? Like, they don't have that energy to do it themselves. It's kind of like, oh, well, he knows it, so how about he just does it for me? They, they don't get that in Fury. They want to persevere. And then this one kid, she told me, you know, I'm like, hey, do you want to try it? And for the longest time, she said, nah, I'm not interested, which is totally fine. So I, I wasn't pushing. I'm like, you want to try it? She's like, nah. And then just recently, this is after a year of us having Fury in the high school, you know, I bring my computer in. She sits there. She's like, you know, can I try it? Because she told me, like, she said that there's only a certain amount of games that she likes, which is fair. But then she sat down and actually tried it. And she was fine in the chain. She actually did well in phase one. Phase two, she got her ass kicked and she died. She tried again. She got a game over again. And I looked at her. I'm like, well, how do, you, how do you feel? She's like, that was great. She's like, I, I want to do this again later. It's teaching that perseverance because of that risk-reward. They're learning something out of it, and they're getting something back. Can we meld that into something? Like, can that – it's really hard to teach that skill. It is. I'm, I'm being dead serious. It's really hard to teach someone that skill. So how can we bring that into, like, an educational environment and have these kids learn better of, like – how to persevere, how to say, like, yeah, this is an issue, so how am I going to figure it out? I started using this mentality. I started telling the kids when they're like, you know, well, I tried. I'm like, well, don't try. Just do it. You know, I started telling them that. Don't try. Just succeed. It's not a matter of trying. It's a matter of just, you know what you have to do. You can get it done. That's it. There's a way to get it done, and you'll figure it out. Trying has that mentality of, like, you know, if you try something, yeah, that means you put effort into it. But you didn't succeed. It's like, you know what? I tried. I feel like there's a little of negative connotation there that you don't want to keep going because, well, you tried it. So don't try it. Just do it. You know, if you tell yourself that I'm going to do it, that means you're going to keep going. And I've seen I've seen some students in that boat where two weeks, you know, they're coding their game. And two weeks down the road, they still have the same bug. And, like, we got to get this done. They're like, you know what, Charlie? nuts, but we're going to fi- we got to figure this out. And then we would. And then they move on. It's like, see, that's all it takes. Yeah, it's going to be annoying at times trying to, I mean, hell, like one of the games I'm making, I had a bug for three fucking months. And I finally sat down one day and I looked it over. I'm like, I'm a goddamn idiot. There's a problem. It was a fucking punctuation. I felt silly and then I kept going. I was like, I, I didn't give up. I came back to it. I eventually said, I'm going to get this done. This, this will be finished at some point. I don't know when, but it's going to get done. So that's just a matter of that mindset, like teaching that mindset. Fury does it in such a such a beautiful way teaching that mindset of keep going hell i've yet to beat the star in furrier mode you know i've had this game for a long time i've had it for over a year and i've still yet to beat the star in furrier mode but i remember that like there's very few games that i haven't beaten yet in one way or another like there's some challenge and incomplete or whatever 
and I remember it. You know, every now and then it pops in my head like, I should take care of the Star and Fury mode. And every time I see anything related to Fury, I'm like, I still got to beat the Star and Fury mode. Like, it's still there because I want to. Now, I was terrible at it, and I kind of stopped, but I'm going to get it done. I want to get it done. And it's going to keep itching the back of my head until I do it at one point. I don't know when, but I'm going to get it done. It's It's going to happen. I learned. I learned playing through that game. And honestly, I think after playing that game, it's what made me get through Dark Souls. Like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I didn't beat any of the Dark Souls game until I beat Fury. Fury was... I mean, I still prefer Fury over Dark Souls by miles. Like, I think Fury is a much better game for so many reasons. But after beating it, I played Dark Souls. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I got this. And then with that... Champion Gundyr is like my favorite Dark Souls boss. Like he feels like a boss out of fury. It's just you versus an equally equipped, if not stronger, person. It's a great fight. I love Abyss Watchers for the same reason. You're fighting essentially another person. And it's a very elegant and beautiful fight as you learn their combos and how to count them. Like every fight in Dark Souls that involves you fighting another human like person, even Pontiff Sullivan, I enjoy leagues beyond anything else. And that's why Champion Gundy will remain, like, at the top for me. And even Lord, of, even Lord of Cinder was pretty good for that reason. The other bosses are just, like, yeah, it's cool to take on some monstrosity and bring it down. But it's just, like, it's just a monstrosity to me. Like, it's it's a thing that Dark Souls has. It's, like, big bosses, they're easy to take down. You just hide in, like, a weak point that they really can't reach, a blind spot, and you hit them. I'm not, I'm not going to keep going on about anything else about like that. But that perseverance, like, when I fight a boss that is more human, that I, I feel like there's an equal level, I'm much more interested in getting through it at this point. So that's that's about Fury and just Perseverance, which is a really hard skill to teach. But there's some like other things that games can teach us that's a lot more like direct and kind of understandable, I want to say. You know, I'm thinking about uh, New Angeles. It's a, I believe it's called New Angeles, yeah. It's a board game in the Android Netrunner universe, and it's a different way of playing the game. Most of the games in the Android universe involve either you playing the criminal, or at least the board game called Android. It's your PI trying to solve the case, so it involves like you know crime and villainy and stuff like that. But the the actual game New Angeles, you're one of the big corps. You know the corps are usually the bad guys. You're one of the big corps, and you're trying to work together with everyone else to keep the city running and falling into chaos. So the win condition is, at the start of the game, you're given a card and says, this is your rival. Have more money than this person. And then there's one card that says, have enough, mo- you know, have enough money and then let the city go into chaos. Like the Federalist says, let the city go, let the city go into chaos so the government take, comes in and takes over and you, know, you win. So essentially, to win the game, you gotta get the money. And it's a perfect reflection of politics. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, like, I'm not a very political person. That's because I feel just based on what I've seen throughout the years. I'm not talking about just recent. I'm talking overall. The way how politics has been shaped and works nowadays, not just in this country but in general, the point of government is to keep something running. The point of New Angeles is to work together with these other corporations to keep the city running. That's what it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to be. But in the end, it's, well, I want this. I get money out of this. I get power out of this. Like something happens like I get things if this happens, so I want that to happen. And that blinds leaders into doing what's best because sometimes it's difficult because trying to pass a law is a lengthy process, a pain in the ass. So sometimes you take the easy route, 
take an easy way out and be like, you know, eh, it's done. And then other times it's like, I benefit from this. And honestly, if you get something out of something, you're going to want to kind of follow up on that. And that's New Angeles. Like, yeah, it would be better if we cleaned out the orgo crime in this region, but I don't get a lot of money out of that. I get more money if we pass, if we do this, if we follow, follow this proposition and make this deal, I get more money. And in the end, you need the money to win, obviously, because it is a game. But that's like a perfect reflection of like showing people how kind of the struggle for political power works. It's it's a push and pull of you're supposed to make something work as smoothly as possible. But in the end, you really want this like personally. You, you kind of want this. And it it is in a way selfish. And playing New Angeles, I definitely get selfish at times because like, well, I want to do this because I'm going to get more money and I need the money to win. So, yeah, I'm going to kind of ignore that shit going on. I'm going to let that district kind of burn for now because it doesn't matter to me. It's beautiful in a way because, again, it's just, it's just a game. So it's kind of beautiful in a way, like seeing how people interact that way and how some people act completely different when playing the game compared to their normal self for that very reason. It's like, well, I can get this. Heck, my one buddy, he was practicing to be a lawyer. He actually went to law school for a bit. But now he's he's stopping that and he's doing something else with his life. And you could see the lawyer come out in him. Like, we were playing New Angeles, and he was just, like, getting in the middle of things, like, getting in the middle of debates and really arguing, like, no, this is the better thing to do. Like, he was really pushing that whole lawyer bit of him, and then he used it to his advantage to get, in the end, win and just get a lot of money because he was always making those arguments that you just couldn't win against. And he used it so well. It was it was beautiful. Like, I've never seen this man play this way. Like, I've played a lot of games with him, and he's never been this way. He's always been kind of like, for fun, you know, we always kind of like laughing, having a good time. But then we play New Rangers, like, nah, bruh, this is how it's going to be. It's hilarious, and I love it. And it's it's a perfect reflection. Like, if I ever had a chance to show some of the kids New Angels and ha- teach them how to play, I'd be like, hey, let's talk about politics. Like, let's use this as an example of how things work in the government. Because I think I think there's some truth there. It's not a perfect representation, but there's something there, something to learn from it. Granted, the game takes way too long to teach, I feel, in terms of just the setting. Like, I got no problem teaching people how to play the game, but that's if, like, you know, we're at my place or we're at a hobby shop and with that. We got a couple hours. I can't teach this game to a handful of high schoolers in a few hours. Like, it's, just, it's not going to work out. It, If it did, I would. You know, and I could use it as a lesson. Because not only does it show how politics work in some way, it goes back to that idea of communication. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Some of these kids struggle with communication, and now this kind of forces them in a good way. I don't want to use force in a negative tone here. It forces them to learn how to communicate because you, to win, the city has to work. Like you'll, you won't, unless you're the Federalist, you lose no matter what if the city falls into chaos. So you have to talk to the other players to ensure the city stays running. So it's a good thing. You start to practice that communication. You start to practice how to use your words in a positive way. I got way too many times kids throwing insults, using names, stuff like that, when they actually they have good intentions and they're actually trying to like show that someone's point isn't well made and show flaw in their line of thinking, but they fall back on name on names and insults and it doesn't work out and then it goes to chaos. Like, oh well you're insulting me, I don't give a fuck anymore, but you know, it turns into this, this argument that gets us nowhere. Here, New Angeles, you can't start throwing names around. Because if you do, 
well, you lose that ally, and you might need that person on your side to win in general. Like, if they're your rival, okay, yeah, fuck them. They don't matter. You're trying to have more money than them. But if they're not your rival, you're going to want them on your side because if they're on your side, they're going to help you pass more, you know, bills or whatever you want to call it in the game, like more proposals that net you more money because they're on your side. Learn, will you, kids? Learn how to talk to one another. And even adults, learn how to talk to one another. I know too many people that are fucking adults and they can't even communicate, and it pisses me off sometimes. God damn. I'm not going to go into that rant, but it happens. It, it really happens. Games provide a way to teach these lessons and break down barriers. Because it's a game, the mindset is different. It's 100% different when you're playing a game. Even though it has the same skill set, communication, problem solving, math. Hell, there is math. You have to try and calculate how much money can I get from passing this, is this the most effective thing to do, or how will this impact the future? Like, you have to start thinking of those kind of things. You have to do the math in your head. It's just done in a different light, so people are much more willing to work with it. Hell, if I sit down and play a game with somebody and I don't know them that well, that's how I get to know them. And it's not even like to see how they play the game. It's because there's something else going on, so there's never a dull moment. Like, I swear to God, if... I had any ability to talk to women, a great date idea in my mind would be going to some sort of game shop because you're able, you pick a game, you know, there's some places like I know in Manhattan that they just have a bunch of games. You pay for a table, you pick a game and you play because there's just so many different games to play. You're able to just talk about them. Like if there will be never be a dull moment in the conversation, you learn to just talk. You know, if you're not sure what to talk about, you talk about the game. It's the easiest way to get conversations going and you get to know somebody you then also get to know how they are as a player and if they're a dirty cheater or liar or whatever you know that's what's always fun but anyway, these games they, they break down those barriers so you start to learn things more because there's something you can talk about something you can relate to that everyone else is relating to you know the same problem same game same issue the same whatever you're able to work through it more i love it i honestly do the, the last thing i want to bring up this whole education bit is just how the world works. Honestly, it, it's there. And a lot of role-playing games have a way to show this is kind of how the world works. I've slowly begun starting up a Cyberpunk 2020 campaign. I'm really excited for Cyberpunk 2077, the game that hopefully comes out within the year because we don't know much about it and it looks fucking amazing and I love Cyberpunk genre. But I got this game, Cyberpunk 2020, which is... What the video game is based on is this tabletop game. And I've wanted to play it ever since I got the rule book a long time ago. And so the one day I kind of brought it in to the kids that I have a D&D &D group with, that I'm a GM for this small set of kids. I brought the rule book in one day for Cyberpunk 2020. I just put it on the desk. And when we were done playing D&D, &D, I'm kind of like, hey, if you want, just you know, go, go read that book real quick. And so they all kind of walked over. They took a look at it. And within 30 seconds, they're like, so when are we playing this? You know, it, it caught their eye. You know, it's the, the cyber part of it appeals to a lot of them. So they're like, oh, when do we play this? I'm like, all right, let's start talking about making characters. <laughs> and it just it just happened the other day. I was working through one with one of them to make their character. And she's looking through the rule book. And she's like, I got to pay for a phone bill? I'm like, yeah, you do. She's like, why? I'm like, who do you think pays for your phone bill? And like, I'm talking like in the real one. I'm like, who do you think pays for your phone bill? Your mother pays for that crap. She's like. She's just silent. She's got like, uh, I'm like, these are like, this happened. Like, you are now a character. You're now a person in this world. You got to pay up, man. You got to, like, you want that that phone? You want that service? 
pay up. They're like, you have to buy clothing too? I'm like, yeah. Every like they're starting now to learn. Like they had the way Cyberpunk 2020 works. You get a job in the beginning of the game, and the amount of money you make at your job depends on your role's specific skill. Like each class, role, whatever you want to call it, has a specific skill tied to it. Like rockers, charismatic leadership, cops, authority, corporates have resources, like that kind of stuff. And depending on your level in that, how many points you put into it, depends on your pay grade. So you get a starting salary based on that, and then you make another die roll, and there's a chance, a one in third chance, you lose your job before you even start playing the campaign. So now it's like, crap, I'm on a budget until I find work, whether it's an actual job or it's working with the mafia. Like, you know, I find some way to get an income. And so now these kids are sitting there looking through everything, and, like, they're, you know, they're looking through, like, their cybernetics because you can get cybernetic enhancements because, of course, you can in cyberpunk. And like, ooh, da, 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 like this is great, this is great, da, 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 and like going through this list of like all these things they want. And so they're writing all down, they're like, sweet, I got a thousand dollars left. I'm like, okay, so where do you live? You need to buy weapons, you need to buy armors, do you have transportation? Do you have a cell phone? How about a computer? Because you know, you're gonna need one of those in the twenty in the you know, twenty first century. And then I'm going through like the list and they're like, Oh yeah. And like they start to take things back and like they're learning, like I see these kids now. That some of them are – I know I know some of them. I've, I've taught some of them in actual, like, classroom settings are decent with math and decent with, you know, thought, thinking and problem solving, stuff like that. But they're all, like it, – it's they're all coming out of that shell. They're all coming out of, like, that that hesitation to do the number crunching. And there's something, like, they're – like, I see them. They're writing things down. Like, I, I can tell you how many times I don't see kids writing things down when they're thinking of something. Like, eh, I just know how to do this, and they just put an answer down. Now, I'm seeing these kids now with this game writing everything out, comparing them. Like, okay, how much does this cost compared to that? Would this be useful? And they're starting to, like, put the pieces together in their head to ensure they have enough money. And then they're like, you know what? That's really cool. I want that, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait. And they're like, you know what? I got a couple thousand dollars left over. That means I'm comfortable enough for the next few months in case anything happens. And then I'm going to find a way to get that. Like, they're starting to set these goals, like life goals. One of the kids says she wants a goddamn cryo tank. She's the doctor. She's like, I want a cryo tank. I'm like, why? She's like, because I want a cryo tank. I'm like, fine. Say, like, go. Like, save up. And now she's starting to work through, like, okay, a cryo tank costs $100,000. I'm making this much money per month and this is the kind of things they need like she's starting to go through that process of budgeting and figuring out what is it we have to do to get this tank of course the name of the game is you could steal it and that's of course on the table she's thinking about that but she's also thinking about just in general like the cost of it like when will i be able to properly afford it all of a sudden you have these kids learning accounting like a skill that any of us adults can say you're gonna need to know like budgeting accounting stuff like that like managing your money, paying your bills on time, saving enough money up for this and that. Like, oh, I really want, you know, I got this nice game table now in my living room. Saving up for that, putting on the credit card and then paying off every month a certain amount of money to ensure I can afford it. You know, all these things I'm trying to, you know, I had to do all these things in real life. I'm seeing these kids do it just in a freaking game setting and they're so into it. You know, they came from, one of them played advanced D&D for a bit with her parents, so she has that background. But the rest of the kids never touched a role-playing game. So the first game they played was Dungeons & Dragons, which is a great game. And a lot of us know how Dungeons & Dragons work. Go on high adventure. Like, there's role-playing in it. 
but a lot of it's high adventure because that's how the classes are worked. The classes are built around mostly combat. You know, there are some classes, like especially the Bard, has some role-playing elements thrown in there, and some of the spells for some of the classes are have some role-playing elements in it. But there's a lot of adventuring that goes on, and like, how the whole leveling up system works, and you get better, da 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 So they come from that background of just sword and sorcery, and they get thrown into this this real-life setting. Like, it's, I'm dead serious. Like, it's, you have to roll, they had to roll their background. Like, the game starts up like, so this person wants to kill me because I fucked with them. You know, like, these things are actually what's happening with their characters. That's their backstory. That's what was rolled. And they're so excited about it. You know, they're, they're not playing a high adventure sword and sorcery thing. They're playing a high stakes, real life, futuristic, dystopian world. And they're just so engaged and excited. Like, we have an online chat group to, you know, I, I post questions on there. Like, if I'm at home, I'm trying to play, I'll be like, hey, real quick, what about this? You know, I ask them questions or we set up times like when we're going to play and whatnot or updates or anything. And I just checked the, the freaking board today when all these all the kids like pretty much have their characters finished. And there's just this long stream of just them talking about their characters and like comparing like I have this, I have that, like, oh, I am able to do this. And like there's something like talking about what it is they're good at and what it is they can do. And they're already planning. Like we haven't even picked up the game yet and started playing and they're already figuring out how are we going to work together. You know, these kids, they play D&D together so they they know how to work as a team. Don't get me wrong. But they're doing it before the game even starts. They're starting to plan things out. And it's amazing. It's amazing to see that they're doing this already. You know, as a teacher, it warms my heart. Now, I'm excited as a referee of Cyberpunk to see that my players are actively happy for the game. That, of course, makes me glad. But as a teacher, as someone who works with kids day in, day out, trying to help them through problems and figure things out, seeing these kids starting to do it already without me having to say a damn word is crazy. It, it really is. And, like, it kind of gets my hopes up that there is a way to teach these kids these lessons. It might be a roundabout way and require a lot of work and using games to some way, which can be really hard when you have a classroom full of 30 kids, using games can be difficult because how do I get enough copies of the game and would every kid understand the game? Those barriers are there. If I can find a way around those barriers, there's certainly a way to teach some of these skills and start to open their eyes like start to open these kids eyes to like hey you know what you just did how about you do that in science class it's the same thing you know i started to tell them that like you know what you're doing right now why don't you do that in math class why don't you do that in global class why don't you do that when you get home like these skills you're using in this game use them in real life figure out figure this out you know, you've done it before. It wasn't a game, yes, but you still did it. You still made it work. So why not do it again? You have the ability to do it. You you proved it once already. I had this kid sitting next to me last week during gaming club, and he has Fury on the Switch. And the week before, he was fighting one of the bosses in Fury. He fought the hand on my PC because that's, you know, uh, the kids just try the different bosses on the PC. We have like, you know, they beat the one boss who was the next, yada, yada, yada. And so he was stuck on this one boss. He said, like, hey, can I try finding the hand? I'm like, sure. He's like, yeah, I have it on the Switch. And I just, I've been stuck on him. I, I haven't been able to beat him yet. So he sits down. He plays the hand on my PC, gives it two or three tries, and he beats the hand on my PC. He's like, awesome. Like, you beat him? He's like, yeah, nice to go. Like, you know, you can beat him now. And so the next week, which was his previous week, he has a Switch on him, and he brought Fury. And he starts playing Fury. I'm like, oh, what are you doing, Ishmael? He's like, oh, yeah, I just wanted to uh, just beat this guy real quick. And he's still struggling a little bit. He's like, 
nah, I got this. Like, he's like, I, I beat him before. I can do this again. You know, that positivity. Like, he knows what to do. He knows how to use his skills to move on. And then right after he beat the hand, he moved right on to the next boss and then beat her. He beat the next boss right away. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to take out the next boss. I'm like, yeah, look at that. You beat two bosses in one day. He's like, I mean, technically one boss, I already beat the hand. I'm like, but you still had to beat him in the story, didn't you? You still had to go up against him again. You still had to get through that problem. He's like, okay, yeah, you're right. Like, I like to be told I'm right. It feels good. But no, it's it's nice. Like they, He started to use that mindset of, I can do this. I've done it before. Let me do it again. No, I want I want these kids. I want them to start doing that. Like whether it's because you played a video game, or you, whether you played a board game or a role playing game or whatever, you know, you play this game and you use these skills. So do it again. It's a different coat of paint. It's it instead of a game, it is real life. Yes, but it's just a different coat of paint. It's the skills are still there. They're still applicable. You can still use them. Just do it, will you? Uh, one day I'll have the answer. One day I'll have the answer of how do I make this work. In a classroom setting for all kids. One day. I don't know when. I don't know how. But one day I will figure that out. And it will be amazing. I think it will be great. Because I, I need kids to learn certain skills. But I'm also not a fan of just your traditional lecture. You know, I want the kids to be able to pick something up and figure it out. But not in a standard way of like... The class of setting, like, okay, coding is great. You know, and they're like, they're practicing these different coding skills. I just feel like a lot of times it's like normal classwork to them. It's like, okay, here's the problem, figure the problem out. On to the next one, figure this problem out. You know, it's interactive because they have to code, but it's still like that normal routine of going through a worksheet essentially at times, just a little more interaction. I want to be able to break that down some days and just be like, Let's just play a game. You know, I've done some team building exercises with some of my older kids, and it's shown, in some of them, it's shown like them actually figuring that out and be like starting to communicate with one another, which is nice to see. But I want that a constant. I want that to be a constant. I want to be able to do that all the time and have it be successful. I'm going to call it. You know, I think, I think it's good for this week. You know, we did a short episode last week, we have a longer episode this week. I think it balances out. This is important. Like this is really important to me. It's kind of what I do as a career teaching, but it's I'm bringing my hobby into. It. I'm trying to figure out how does my hobby of like you know my love of games impact it. You know, think about what I said. You know, maybe maybe it applies to you in some way. Like, I don't fucking know. Maybe you are a teacher yourself, or maybe you work with kids in some way. Maybe you know the things I said you'll take to heart and try it out yourself. I don't know. I hope you do. I'd be I'd be flattered if you did. Be great. And then you know. I got my emails on my profile. Just email me. Tell me about it. Be nice to hear. Uh, so I'm just kind of like, you know, management stuff. I'm thinking about pushing the episodes earlier. So instead of doing 8 p.m. on Sunday, maybe like 6 p.m. or something. I, I was thinking about it recently, and I feel like, okay, yeah, 8 p.m. means I have plenty of time to make sure I get, you know, I know what I want to talk about. I can get a decent recording and stuff like that and get it posted online. But I feel like in terms of the listeners, it's late in the day, especially for it being a weeknight and you have to go to work on Monday. I think a lot of us have to go to work on Monday. I don't know when you have to wake up. I feel like it's a little late in the night and then, you know, on the Monday commute, you don't want to listen to it. I just feel like it's not a good time slot for listeners. So next week, starting next – I'm going to call it now. Starting next week, next week's episode, 
uh, the the fourteenth. I want to say, yeah, the fourteenth. I want to do. I want to publish it at. Let's go with. I want to do it at five. You know what? I want to push even vote even more. I want to do it at five. You know, I want to get the recording done early, and I want to get things published posted at five o'clock. Because I feel like five p.m. is a good time. You know, it's just before dinner. You know, you can listen to it while you're cooking if you do if you're that kind of person, or just you know you have you, you can listen to it a little later in the night before things get you know you mellow down a little too much and get ready for bed. So let's aim for five p.m. next week. All right, I'll make a note to myself to ensure I publish this at five p.m. So tune in for that. We'll play around with that for a few weeks. I'll see, you know, how do I feel about doing that myself? And then just, you know, is the listener base staying continuous with it? Am I picking more up or am I losing people? Like I'll, I'll just see how the numbers work out and just go from there. All right. So let's do that for a couple of weeks. 5 p.m. Sundays now instead of 8 p.m. All right. I want to change on my profile also after this episode gets published. That way I make it kind of official, quote unquote. And also think about Twitter. I haven't done anything with Twitter yet, but I'll, I'm still debating that one. So take care, everyone. Hopefully the spring weather keeps up this week and I don't have to freeze my butt off walking to work anymore. That would be a nice change of pace. So until next time, enjoy your week and enjoy everything it is that you do. Take care.